On the Brevity Code podcast, we'll explore a wide range of topics from the very people that give form and color to our world. We'll hear from artists, brand builders, industry leaders, pro athletes, fitness and endurance coaches, philanthropists, entrepreneurs, and many others. Through their actions, they enrich us with their vision, creativity, and bravery. Our guests have all been successful by flying in the face of conventional wisdom. We'll learn from them the ways in which we can apply that very knowledge to our own path and toward our own self-fulfillment. Hello and welcome to Brevity Code Podcast. Uh, Today, my guest is professional golfer Ben Crane. He's 16 years on the PGA Tour. He's got uh, eight professional wins. Uh, We're super excited to have him on the show today. Um, There's a ton more to Ben than just being a great golfer. And today, I hope we get to show a bit of another side of him that, uh, that I've come to recently know. So, uh, Ben, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ryan. Appreciate it. Yeah, man. Hey, I think, you know, in establishing a baseline here, you know, for those that may not follow golf, but they're, you know, they, they have some idea, um, maybe it'd be a good idea to start by kind of giving a, you know, a brief background of, you know, how you got into golf and what that journey was for you. Yeah, it was, uh, uh, I love sports as a kid and, um, each day, go to work and um, crush it for, you know, 10 to 12 hours. And I'm looking at him as a 10-year-old kid going, that looks terrible. Um, and, you know, we just didn't get as much time with him as we wanted. Um, he was building a business in Portland, Oregon. And um, by the time I was 14, I just loved sports. I was um, gaining, you know, some identity um, as a kid, you know, you're trying on identities like clothing and trying to figure out kind of what sticks. And, and um, I was good at sports. And um, so by the time I was 14, <clears throat> I was kind of going through the sports going, I want to be a professional athlete. And I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to play in the NBA. And then I realized I'm like the fourth or fifth best basketball player on my, you know, team of eight. <laughs> and I'm um, like, you know, and I'm, I, I might stretch out to, you know, five, ten and a half. So that's probably not a good idea. So I kind of started going through the sports and I'm like, you know, soccer, no, um, tennis, no. I'm like golf. I'm like, I'm the best golfer of my five friends. I don't need a team to practice with. I love it. And my grandpa loves it. And, um, my grandpa was like my best friend. And if I was going to hang out with my grandpa, it was going to be on the golf course. So, um, so I committed. I said, you know what? I'm going to quit all other sports, and I'm going to go 110% in with golf, and uh, I'm going to try to make it. And if I don't make it, I'll be able to look back and use a lot of the lessons, um, and I'll be able to apply them to life. But um, And so along the way, I saw a couple people that might have been working harder than me, and that just inspired me. And I had a coach say to me, who was helping me with my game, he said, you know, I think if I had worked a little harder when I was, you know, in high school and college, I think I could have made it. And I thought to myself, I will never say that. Yeah, right. So another thing that strikes me, you know, with what you were just talking about, when at 14, you said, you know, I'm going to be a professional basketball player. I'm going to be, I'm going to be a professional something in sports. I'm not sure that that's super normal for most. I think, yeah, I think there are dreamers out there and everyone has aspirations, uh, but they don't necessarily, they don't, they don't act in a way that you acted. Like you said, you sort of dove in and you, you gave it 110%. Where do you, I mean, there's people that are motivated and people that have drive. And then there's a guy like you, you that literally shot calls like, yeah, dude, I'm going to be, I'm going to be a pro athlete. And then you, you will it to happen. Like, where do you think that comes from? Yeah, it's, um, that's, that's a great question. And the answer is, I don't know, but I, I felt like my gifting, you know, I had already seen that I just loved being involved, um, in whatever it was that, that you had to give it all. Right. Um, and, um, and I was just passionate about, it. I was passionate about competing. I was compassionate, passionate about, um, you know, just the, the intricacies of the game. And so, um, and all sports really, but yeah, I just thought, gosh, this is my best chance. Um, and it just became my dream as I started to work at it. You know how you kind of start to pull back the curtain, something you get into and there's so much more, you know, and that just fascinated me. And so it just became more and more of my dream. I started to work harder and harder 
the more I started to pull the layers back. And certainly I was getting encouragement along the way. Um, people were telling me I was good at it. Um, I was having, you know, some success. And so those things uh, continue to spur me on. Yeah, you know, also too, it's funny, the more you progress in something and the higher levels you achieve. Also, I mean, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but you start to sort of realize some of the insecurities too. Like, God, okay, I, I'm at this level, but man, there's a lot of guys around me that are so much better than me. And, and, and clearly to become a pro athlete at the level at which you are performing, you have to push through a lot of that self-doubt and insecurity, right? I mean, you, there's working hard and there's having determination, but there's like really pushing through boundaries and, and telling yourself, okay, this isn't a stopping point. This is, this is a go point. Yes, it, that is such a challenge. And, you know, what I've found in golf, and I know it's true in other professions, is that the, the best don't always make it to the top, right? right. And, but the people who, um, you know, have a work ethic, you know, um, have such a great chance. You know, there's, I was told this story of, um, these two kids and one kid was, um, he was, uh, labeled as talented and one kid was labeled as a hard worker and they, and the people around them kept saying, you are so talented. Another kid, you're so, you're such a hard worker. And they take the, they end up putting him on the same math test. And the first question's easy. The second question, um, still fairly simple. The third question's impossible. The fourth question is, um, you know, medium and the, and the last question is simple. Well, the, the kid who is talented, you know, gets the first two questions, gets the impossible question, and then he doesn't get the last two because he's been labeled as talented. This should come easy for him. Mm. But the hard worker gets the first question, may or may not get the second question, obviously doesn't get the impossible question, but gets the last two because when he confronts failure, right, he's been, he's been told he's a hard worker. So he... He is who he is, right? Yeah. And so in golf, right, I've just tried to, to say, you know, that I am a hard worker. And, and when you face those doubts, right, it's, gosh, it is. It's, it's, I mean, I, you know, when I play golf with Tiger Woods or Dustin Johnson, right, I look and I go, man, I don't hit it that far. I am right. not that talented. It <laughs> looks like he just wakes up in the morning, you know, and goes out to the golf course and he shoots 66, you know. And I'm like, man, I am like grinding here. I'm putting everything I have into this, right? And I'm shooting, you know, 71, you know? <laughs> Right. Do you take those little, do you carry those stories, that little anecdote you just told me? Like when you're, when you're say you're in a, a fourth round on Sunday, um, I mean, do you take a story like that with you and sort of go, you know what? I'm the hard worker. I'm not, you, you clearly are s remarkably talented, but like you're saying, you have a mindset. That's just this grinding mentality. Do you take that, those little stories sort of, you know, keep them metaphorically in your back pocket and say, I'm going to outwork this guy today. You know, in, in some ways, yes. Um, but you know, for me, I, I always try to like, I'm a man of faith and I believe the word of God is true. And it's always true. When something I, I believe is true, it, no matter time or culture or situation, it's always true. And so, for me, I try to just apply, and the more I apply the Word of God to my life, the more it just becomes real. And so I'm always, like, trying to, like, um, spur myself on and meditate on these scriptures. And so I'll put those in my yardage book. You know, one of them says that we're to press on toward the goal, you know, to, to know Him, to know Christ more. And so, you know, there, there, there's certain things... Um, you know, to trust him with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but acknowledge him in all you do and he will make your path straight. And so I, you know, I, I take these scriptures, put them in my yardage book mm -hmm. and it's kind of like a reset button for me. I'm out on the course and I'm like, you know, I mean, because it's golf is, and life is so full of pride and shame, right? Like when we're, when we're off, right? When we do really well, you know, we, we kind of get prideful and when we don't do well, you know, and when we think we should be doing well, there's shame there. And right. And so I'm kind of trying to step out of that in my spiritual life. And it's a more of like grace and truth and that it's not all about me. Right. Yeah. And it's such a tough journey, but yeah. it's, 
it's a journey worth, you know, worth going down. Yeah, no doubt. Um, you know, you, when we were talking briefly, uh, it, you had mentioned, and I, this, everyone sort of knows this, uh, I don't know if it was Malcolm Gladwell that coined it, but this 10,000 hours. Um, and I think you had mentioned to me, you figured you had something around 35,000 hours. Um, and so in addition to this faith-based uh, you know, thing that, that is uh, very important to your life and, your, and, your, and your, you, you take it with you and you, and you think about it when you're playing, it's also backed up by an insane amount of hard work and dedication. So I think those, yeah. t- those two things together are super powerful. Right. And, and, and so, yeah, I was, I was reading, you know, I've read some of these books on, you know, what it takes to be an expert at something, right. And to really succeed. And, and because the, the whole talented thing is really overrated. Right. Um, but it's not just hours, right. It's, I mean, because you can spend um, 10,000, you know, 30,000 hours, um, practicing golf, but if they're not the right hours, right. right? If they're not competitive, if they're not, um, you know, doing the proper technique, right? There's a few fundamentals in golf that you have to like, um, you have to acquire, you know, and we worked on, um, a couple of those with you on the range, <laughs> right? We, you know, I walk over and, oh. and you know, you're, you're, you're swinging, you know, 15 degrees outside in with an open club face, which yeah. is very common for golf, right? And I'm like, okay, hey, let's just get the, the path of the club going towards the target, right? And all of a sudden, the ball starts to, like, show up on the club face more often. It's just easier and get the, path, and get the face a little more square. And all of a sudden, I, I look over. I'm like, oh, my God, that looks like a pro hitting that ball. Like, started flushing some shots, and that was just super exciting, right? Uh, yeah. So it's the right hours, right? I mean, you could have stood over there on the range for yeah. hours and hours and hours and not gotten better. But if you spend the right hours... Right. You know, and you have the right people, you know, coaching you and spurring you on, you know, then, then all of a sudden, all of a sudden things start to, to match up, right? And, and so, right. Um, and your beliefs in that are so important, right? I mean, a lot of people say winners have different minds, you know, do they love the moment? You know, some people don't love the moment and some people do love the moment. They thrive in the moment. Um, and so, yeah, I figured... When I was adding up my hours, I'm like, wow. And I started to kind of put it together. I'm like, I think I have about 35,000 hours in this game. And certainly not all of them are great hours, right? I mean, I've spent so many hours going down the wrong road only to learn, you know, years later. I'm like, wow, I believe that. And it is so not true. And I can look back and say, I could have improved so much more, you know. But then that helps you in the future because you're like, I want to make sure that if I do make this decision with my swing or, you know, with my mental game or with whatever it is, that I'm going the right way. Yeah, right? absolutely. I love, the, I love the dumb and dumber. You know, it's the planes, trains, and automobiles where they're going down the, the road the wrong way and um, someone's driving by them and, and they go, hey, uh, you're going the wrong way. And they look at each other and they go, how do they know which way we're going? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. I don't, I don't. Is that Dumb and Dumber or is it Planes, Trains? No, I, think, huh? I, I think it's Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Anyway, both great, both great. So uh, let's talk about some of the other aspects of um, your life. You know, and, and sort of we can vacillate in and out of this conversation of, of golf and life. Um, I mean, I'm always curious as to how a professional athlete. You know, how do you balance the demands of a work schedule and and your family, of which you know, I happen to know you 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 have uh, an equal priority to. So how do you how do you do that? What is what does that look like for you? Yeah, so I felt like it's it's very tricky um, with traveling. You know, I'm on the road 30 weeks a year. My family probably only comes with me maybe four or five of those. So that's a lot of time, and every tournament is you know a week long. Um, I try not to stay away for more than two weeks. Um, certainly a lot of FaceTime in there, sure. but then, um, recently I've been doing this thing called a life plan. And in that life plan, I just try to take, um, some different categories of my life and just be intentional and not try to overload myself with, I want to do all these things, but, but just a few things, right? So I take each kid, we have three kids and, um, 11, nine and six years old, two girls and a boy. And I just try to like t- take a couple categories like, okay, what do I want to do? And so with my oldest daughter, um, she's 11. So I, I've, I've told her for every year she is old, I want to take her on that many dates a year. 
And, That's great. And, and, and so it, it's just like, and so I'll, I'll pick her up from school early and we'll, you know, we'll go do something um, or, um, you know, I'll just grab her and, you know, we'll go to a movie and eat dinner or something or, you know, one of my finer moments, I, you know, I, I picked up a great dress, right, a new dress and I pick her up from dance, whatever. <laughs> and I, you know, I said, CC, you know, tonight's, you know, our night, I just want to hang out with you and, you know, give her this new dress and, you know, she puts it on, it looks like, um, you know, just a princess and then, we, you know, we go out or whatever. <laughs> so I, I yeah. that, that fun stuff like that, just being intentional with that, with my son, we're going through this book called The Chronicles of Narnia. It's like a thousand pages when you go through all these, you know, stories, but just the yeah. sheer time of like laying next to him in bed and yeah. just reading, you know, for, for hours and hours is such great connection. Um, you know, and then like asking my wife, like, what, what is it that you want to do? Like, what are you craving for? Because when I come home off the road, all I want to do is stay home. Yeah. Right? I just want to be home. I just want to like play games with the kids. I just want to, you know, I try to, I'm trying to train myself just to take my phone and put it away and, and just be present with my, with my family. Um, but then, I, you know, I'm asking my wife and she's like, no, I've been home. I've been doing this circus. And, you know, and now I want to go out. Oh, and go I'm out. like, yeah. so I like, have to like, just literally like go, like right before I walk in the door, I have to go, okay, now my wife has been doing this and this and this, and she craves yeah. connecting with other couples in our community. Right. And I'm like, so, I, so I wrote the three C's, connection, couples, community. And so we identified a few couples in Nashville and I'm like, okay, let's, let's go. Like, like, you know, so I'm trying to, like, I'm on the road, like two weeks. And I'm like setting up these dates, like two and three weeks out, whatever. And they're like, sure. That's like three weeks away. And I'm like, I know, but it's really important to me. Can we do it on the, you know, the 14th, you know, right. seven o'clock. Right. Um, so I, just, just putting together like a little bit of a plan, um, has been really helpful to just, um, well, so let me stop you there. And then there's yeah. a couple, couple points. Um, you, you mentioned this, life plan. Was this something that was sort of your concept or was this something you had a mentor, which is a whole other question we can get into too, but you know, the, the idea of this life plan, I think it's so brilliant because if you don't have a roadmap, you're never going to get to where you want to go, you know? So this, was this your iteration or was this something that someone helped you with that said, Hey, this is kind of how I govern my life on a yearly. And, and here's how you can implement, like, uh, take me through the, the inception of that. Yeah. So I have a, a friend mentor who showed me this, um, this life plan has seven categories and, and, um, and so the last few years I've been doing it and then, and then some of my friends have, and then I put, I put my life on one sheet, right? So this life plan, um, I'm just finishing my 2018 up and, um, and I put it on one piece of paper. So my whole life from my workout, from, you know, my service, like we just went, went and, um, just went to Haiti as a family. Yeah. We're um, going to get into that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we just, um, we, uh, we just went and fed the homeless. We're like, we're trying to raise kids in an affluent world, but yet know what the real world is like, whatever. So like these things literally don't happen for me. Um, unless I, I put them down. And so I'm just like constantly looking at my one sheeter and, and I see it almost every day. It's in my journal or in my Bible. And I just, I'm just constantly kind of looking at it going, okay, how am I doing? Um, and so, so that's, that's kind of how I, I kind of keep my life on track. Um, as far as the mentor goes, yeah, there's been a few people who, um, you know, I've seen living well and, you know, naturally I've just kind of gravitated towards, um, that I just want to be like, right? I just see like the fruit of their life, and I'm like, man, absolutely, uh, right? They make you a better person when you're around them, hundred percent, right? So, and then this this life plan, I, the the seven categories as I, I see them: faith, family, priorities, health, friends, finance, and service. Uh, is is that in any particular order, or is that just as they appear on uh, via email? Yeah, no, I mean, the way I, everyone writes them out differently. For me, I put my faith in the middle because if I'm living out my faith um, and I'm understanding what the, the love that is and grace that has been given to me, everything else will flow from it. So that's kind of the heartbeat of my life. Okay. And, then, and, then, and then I put the other things kind of as spokes around that wheel, if you will. Um, 
and so and, and so anyway, so that's the, yeah. Those are the categories. Um, I try not to. You know, it's really easy to put like twelve things in every category, but I try to put like like two or three. You know, just be very simple. Um, because it's also a terrible feeling when you like try to like go change the world through your life plan. And then you just like, I can't do it. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like life happens and, um, and all that. Well, right. And I think the fact that you said, you know, you keep it to one sheet of paper, I I think is good because if, if each one of those categories becomes a page, right, it becomes this cumbersome thing where, I don't know, man. You're looking at it, and it's almost this overwhelming manifesto of things that you're not going to get to. So if you, like right. I said, if you just can tick some boxes, and then maybe you you update those and you do new versions of. Oh, so that's another question. So, how long have you been doing this life plan, and, and do you feel like it's been a part of your success as a professional tour player? I mean, it, it, how do you answer that? Yeah, yeah. I've probably been doing it in. Um, in some form for the last 10 years, um, the last four years on one sheet of paper. And I think the thing um, that, um, you know, one of the things I'm good at is kind of willing myself to do something, right? Like I can, I can work hard, I can put my head down and I can like knock it out. But what I'm learning is, is that I really don't want to, I can actually transform my life from the outside um, and but not the inside right there, then there's not inward change and so what I'm really kind of everything that is happening in 18 for me is kind of an inside out change not an outside in um, so it's kind of like a, a, a more of a, a deep connection a spirit to spirit connection with the Lord like um, and and that, the, and that my life would flow out of that not a not a like have to do this out of duty to say I did it or to check it off my list mm-hmm. or something, but I'm, I'm asking to be transformed, right? I mean, if God is really God and, and, and Jesus is really who he said he was, then, then it is available to us when we show up to really be transformed into a new person, changing the way we think, changing the way, changing our heart desires. All of that should completely change as we get closer to him, if he's really who he says he is. Right. Can you, can you maybe take us through and not giving anything too personal away, but maybe um, if we went through the seven categories, you just so people have an idea. If I say family, you could give me, you know, what, what does that look like to you? And if I say priority, what would be a priority? Uh, Um, So a priority, so priority is, um, um, something that you want to get done that you haven't gotten done recently. And so, um, so the priority this year was, was trip to Haiti service. We'll probably go two times this year just because our kids loved it so much. Didn't know how they're going to respond, but they loved it. We were there for a week, um, really trying to strengthen the family. And so that's, that's a service item that, that we just put down that we really want to make happen. We want to take a trip a year where we're really focusing on service. Yeah. Um, when I, for family, um, we, um, we, we, we put aside trips, um, that we want to take. We want to take our kids skiing once a year. Um, and then I have little things with each kid, like I was talking about, mm-hmm. um, with my wife, uh, she turns 40 this year. And so my desire is to take her on the trip, just her and I. And so I've kind of got Italy, uh, in mind. I want to take call. her on just a, a sweet trip where we can just like drink wine without so many soul fights. And, uh, I don't know, just sit at some funny restaurant for three hours. And I mean, I, I just picture it that way. I don't, yeah. I've never been, but, um, <laughs> so, so little things like that. Um, right. for finances, one of the things my wife and I want to do is, um, we want to grow our foundation. Um, we're, we really want to share our joy and passion for giving with our kids. And so one of the things my parents did was they put us on the board of their foundation and we were kind of like, that's kind of weird. But then we got to sit with them as they were giving their money away each year. Um, and so we've, we've enjoyed that. And so we're, we want to build our foundation. So our kids are always able to um, find great causes that they can get to each year through being a part of our foundation. So that's like one of our finance goals. Um, that's wonderful. And so, and, so you know, the categories that, that kind of help with 
Yeah, I think I think that gives um, you know a good snapshot of what this thing, this life plan, as mapped out, um, could be. On uh, you know, it, it sounds like it could be as simple as. Like you said, sort of a you know a, a date night with the with the kids each individually, or as, as complex and um, as as you wanted it to be. Uh, let's yeah. let's talk about the um, the Haiti thing. Blows me away. Um, so <clears throat> excuse me. Maybe set up you know for those that oh, I'm speaking in tongues because no one knows the hell I'm talking about yet until you tell the story. But there's a great story that that you shared with me about your your taking your family to Haiti and I was just, just draw a jaw on the ground kind of going what and why and how. So, uh, I would love to hear your, your story. And then I, I have some, yeah, some questions. Yeah. There. So, um, for you guys out there that, um, don't know, Ryan and I, um, uh, were having this conversation at this incredible golf course called the Madison club in La Quinta, California, where, I mean, it's like, I don't know what heaven's going to be like, and I know it's going to be spectacular, but they're probably going to take a few things from the Madison Club because it's like, <laughs> like the food, the everything is just to the, the golf course. Um, you know, it's just at an incredible level. And I had just gotten back from Haiti with my family. And so it was like this, um, there's this, this like, there's almost this shock of like, wow, what a, what a difference in these two worlds. And so, um, the, right after Christmas, um, my wife and I took our three kids um, to Haiti to, and I wasn't really that involved with um, the planning of this trip. Um, so I'm just kind of like trusting my wife on this one, but we end up going with this organization that we've never been with before called My Life Speaks. And so we get there and it's hot and it's sweaty and we get on this bus and it's a two and a half hour bus ride and this bus is dirty and we're going, uh, we fly in the Port-au-Prince and we're taking this two-and-a-half-hour journey, which is only about 30 miles, um, to this town called Nepli. And when we're driving, on, now on both sides of the road, I mean, it is poverty upon poverty, right? And, and so it's just a, like a complete shock. Like, like people are just like, when the bus slows down, people are like holding things up to the bus because they see people... Maybe I can sell something. Maybe I can sell toothpaste. Maybe I can sell some old right. shoes. They're just trying to make a dollar to get, get by through the day. And um, so we go and, you know, it's, um, you know, we're staying on these cots and um, as a family. And we're like, you know, what are we doing? And we, and we go, uh, and this, this organization called My Life Speaks is there. And they figured out that the greatest way to encourage the children and the people is to strengthen the family. And so what does that look like? Well, <clears throat> most of the kids, there's so many orphans in Haiti uh, because of the storms, because of that um, separates these kids. But most of those kids actually have living parents that are nearby. And so they're actually poverty orphans, not as many, um, 80% are poverty orphans, not actually orphans. And so their goal is to get these kids to strengthen the families enough so that they can take care of their own kids. And so what they're finding is as they're strengthening the families, that the, that the, these families are not only taking their kids, they're taking other kids in because the whole thing is that orphanages, I mean, think about growing up in an orphanage. If you're, if you're six years old, right. And you get taken in by an orphanage, you're probably in there with 20 some other kids. Right. There's probably one loving parent figure. Um, but I mean, talk about like how much connection time do you get? How much, you know, um, how much love do you get? Yeah. I mean, you, you, right. It's just, you're kind of raised with and by other kids that have no idea. And so it's kind of like this, this environment that we're not called, we're not, we're not going to thrive coming out of this environment. Yeah. We're right. going to, we're probably going to be fed, you know, we're probably going to get some schooling, whatever. And so, so anyway, so we, we go, and, um, and we are there, and we don't want to, this organization says, whatever you do, don't give anything to these people. And we're kind of looking at each other like, what? <laughs> Wait, what? Because, because that's not a long-term sustainable thing, is for a white person to come in there and, like, give away your clothes, whatever. And we don't want, 
them to think that when we come there, you know, we're there to be like Santa Claus and we're going to give something away and then leave, yeah. right? It's teach a man to fish, right? Teach him to fish, right? Teach him what it means to, yeah. to work and how to work and where to put your energy and, um, and educate them. And yeah, and so one day um, we got to go um, into the town and we got to go, um, a couple of the cooks that work at the school that we're at, um, we got to go and wash their clothes. Um, because they've got five kids, they're, they're working full time. Um, and so we got to go and take this big bin of water and take, you know, their clothes. And by the way, they wash clothes six days a week from 8am to one in the afternoon, five days a week. Like that's like, like that's what they do. We're not Um, talking, we're not talking LG, uh, you know, electronic washer dryer situation here either. No. And, and, And like, it's not, it's not easy. Like, like you're scrubbing, you're, you're grabbing each part of the clothes and, you know, rubbing against the next and filling the bin with water yeah. and, you know, and, and then you're putting soap in and then after you do that, then you put another, you know, load of water and you scrub again, whatever, and then you rinse on the next one and then you wring and then you hang it and then, and on we go. So I picture like this, all, I picture this crane family assembly line. Was that how it worked? It kind of yes. just went right down the line? Yes. And so I'm looking at my six-year-old daughter, Sailor, and I say, Sailor, don't you think we should we should throw away our washer and dryer and we should do this because like, look at this, we're all hanging out. Isn't this great? And she looks it up at me and rolls her eyes and goes, Dad, are you kidding me? Yeah. You know, like like this is but it but then you ask each kid, you know, whatever, and they're like, When can we go back? Like when can we go back and serve? Yeah, it is pretty remarkable and again, um, you know, a guy that's that's had the career success and longevity that you have, um, to want to go subject yourself to something like that is speaks volumes about you and your your family and your um, your compassion, um, you know, and your life of service. And I think it's really to be admired. And I mean, I know there are obviously lots of people that do that, but when I hear this story and I think about you know, the other end of the spectrum for you, um, you know, interviews and limelight and TV on Sunday. And I, it's, it's just, I'm sure that it, it helps balance, helps you find balance for yourself and for your, your family to show them the other way and, uh, other life that, that <laughs> is not a life of, of privilege in, in places like the Madison. Yeah, it is definitely grounding and gives us a greater sense of purpose and joy. I mean, at the end of the day, when we serve, you know, it's so, um, you know, we always think, oh, we're going to serve, we're going to help. But our soul is served so much more um, when, you know, when we're, when we're giving of ourselves and um, because we're built for it, right? We're built for that connection. We're built to, to serve, um, for it is better to serve than be served. And, and it's just so hard in this world um, you know, I had, I had to take Instagram off my phone because I just find myself like flipping through and like yeah. looking at what other people are doing and, you know, comparing myself and it's yeah. just like, I'm like, I'm like, wow, I just lost an hour. I'm like, whoa, where'd my kids go? Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> well, yeah, I was just going to make a comment earlier when you were talking about you, you know, came in and read a book with your son and you take your daughter out, you know, none of those things involve electronics. And I think the ba- the biggest battle in my house, um, is, the iPad and the phones and, 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 you know, we're all guilty. I mean, I've literally looked around the room and my wife's been on her phone. I've been on my phone and my, you know, two out of the three kids are on the iPad and the other one's watching a TV show and I just bum out. And I so know that feeling, you know, I mean, and sometimes the iPad's the best for those of us that have three plus kids, like it's hard. And, and we need breaks, um, but but that it's a horrible crutch. And I, and I think like doing some of the things you're talking about, literally unplugging, um, consciously or unconsciously. Though that's that's what it's all about. That's the connectivity to the family that matters. And it's not just it's not just being in the room with everyone. Like yeah, okay, dad. You know, I work from home, so it's like okay, yeah, dad's home. But if dad's face down looking at his Instagram feed, dad's not really there. And there's no experience happening there's no learning happening there's no communication happening so i too try to be very mindful of you know that and and obviously i fail probably every day at it but it's something that is it's such an interesting dynamic that's happening with 
this this technology fight with with our kids, and uh, it's very we're, concerning. We're growing up in a world, or our kids are growing up in a world that didn't exist, you know, five years ago, right? And we're just trying to learn as it's happening. And so, I just I, I kind of try to think about it as, you know, as we're in the car or whatever, and I'm on the phone or. Or, you know, now sometimes I'll pass the phone over. Hey, you know, can you text this for me? Yeah. And I'm, or I'm just on my phone, like in the living room, whatever. And I'm just like going, what am I teaching my child? I'm teaching my child that when they get their phone, they can completely check out. Yeah. <laughs> right. And I'm like going, oh, gosh, I need to. Um, but there are also times where, where I need to be on my phone. And so where it's okay for me to say, hey, you know, sailor, um, I'm, Daddy needs to be on the phone for about ten more minutes, and then I'm happy to, you know, you know play this game with you or whatever. Right. And that's that's like a healthy, you know, way to to do it. Um, you know, so I, I, it's not all bad. We can do so much good, you know, with our phones. So I'm just trying to like, you know, just just let them know, like, hey, I want you to expect this, um, and then you know. So we're doing, we're, we're trying to do family game night now. It's one of the things on our family um, life plan. Yep. And so That's a great my one. wife and I are just putting our phone away and, and I cannot believe how much the kids have loved. Like we've gotten into this game called Sequence and Spot It and <laughs> like, like just the banter, the trash talking, you know, it's just like second to none. It's so fun. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, going back to the, the Haiti thing real quick too, you know, there, there's so many, uh, dynamics to that as, you know, there's the give back and all that, but, you know, I think about you being a sore thumb, you're, you're a couple hours away from the major city there. I mean, was, were you at all concerned about security risks or child kidnapping or, I mean, literally like you're in an impoverished area and I I don't know, is it an opportunistic time? Like, how's that work? Yeah, so my life speaks is is um, has thought all of that out really well, and so they have um, many Haitians that they're loved in the community, right? Because they're not um, they're not there to you know to be Santa Claus. They're there because they're investing in the community, and so they have hired many Haitians. And so some of those Haitians um, are some of the men um, are we have security with us. At all times, to speak the language. Like if we want um, to buy something, right? We give the money to the, mm. the security guy, okay. and then he goes and buys it, right? So do they we're have not guns? In a, in a weird situation. So yeah, yeah so that that, that was. Um, and then the other thing that I didn't know about Haiti is is that stealing is like the unwritten code of stealing is: if you steal, you can die. And I'm like, what do you mean by that? And they're like, listen. We know of a lady just a couple weeks ago who went over to her neighbor's tree um, and like picked some of the cherries off her tree and they killed her for it. Stealing is like off limits. Like it, you're, there's nothing worse that you can say to someone in Haiti than you stole that from me. Like, and if you go to, I think it's, you go to the, um, you know, law enforcement, whatever. And it's like two or three people come together and say that person stole from me. Mm. I mean, it's just, it's just like no trial, huh? Just guilty and done. Yeah. So, so that's, that's it. And it's interesting to kind of watch their culture a little more through that lens. Yeah. Okay. That makes, that makes sense because they don't have much, but what they do have, they're so, you know, careful about. Yeah, and 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 your daughter was a bit of an anomaly for them. Is that right? Like she's this, you know, cute white blonde haired <laughs> yeah. little angel, and they're like, "What?" I literally, I'm seeing like you know these boys and girls as we're walking through the um, through the houses. You kind of walk through these little alleys and stuff, whatever. We as we go through one of them, um, you know, everyone's kind of looking at us, and we're looking at them, and and this boy is holding this Barbie, you know, like this naked Barbie with blonde hair, right, and they're. Um, obviously of dark skin, right? And then they see these, you know, these two girls with blonde hair and blue eyes. And, and um, <laughs> so, you know, and, and, and then as we're, you know, doing things in the community, like as the girls see them, they're, they're grabbing their hair and they're, and they're just like wanting to braid it and touch them and, and, you know, just be with them. And so our, our youngest daughter, 
at one point, you know, the girls were kind of hanging on her and she's playing with him. But after like a couple hours, she looks at me and she goes, Dad, I think I'm going to go home and rest for a little bit. <laughs> I'm, like, yeah. I'm like, you're good, you're yeah. good. I understand. So. Yeah. Is uh, outside of Haiti, um, is there other things on a life plan for 2018 or beyond? Other areas you'd like to to go and serve, or um, is there something here domestically you'd like to be involved in, or are you currently? Or what? Are yeah. You, what's that look yeah, like? Yeah. So, so we have a we have a, a couple charities that we're very passionate about, um, and we actually host a golf tournament. Um, one year, we're like, wow, we have a lot of friends that are, you know, famous professional golfers, and, um, and we have these organizations, um, one of which is uh, mentoring for um, boys who don't have dads, right? I mean, you, the, the stats of men who are in prison, it's like 98%, like, their dad was either on drugs, dead, you know, yeah. abusive, you know, whatever. It's just, it's like a dad problem, right? Yeah. And, um, and dads are not leading families well. And so one of the organizations we support is an after-school program where these, um, these guys um, kind of become their surrogate dad as they go from um, kindergarten all the way through high school. If they complete the program, meaning just keep showing up, um, then um, they get a college scholarship um, or wherever they can get into school, Hope Farm um, finds people who come alongside and sponsor them to you know, to go to college. And so it takes boys who are, you know, growing up in the ghetto or um, growing up in, you know, impoverished situations and um, takes them to, to leaders in their community. So that's one of the organizations we support through our golf tournament. So we're having this golf tournament um, here at Madison Club with Discovery Land Company um, next next week. And so that's something we, we're super excited about. Yeah. Do you know the name of that charity you're speaking of, the, the mentoring Hope program? Farm. What's it yeah, called? It's called? Hope Farm. Hope Farm. Okay. Yep. It's based based out of Fort Worth. And it's a national uh, organization, or is it? Is yeah, they're, they're, I think they're in three cities right now. Okay. So, and then um, the other one we we support is called Love One Forty Six, and One Forty Six stands for the number on the chest of a child when you walk into a brothel. Um, and so, the our friends who who went into a brothel, they. They saw that number 146 was not numb to the pain of the abuse yet, Ugh. and they vowed to fight for her and all that she represents. Oh, man. And then yeah. also, we do some foster care stuff here in the Coachella Valley and, um, and are supporting them that way. So, so those are kind of like three things, that three charities that we're passionate about supporting. Um, and so we have our golf tournament, and then we also have some minor service things that we like to do. And so... Um, we're, we like to go in Nashville. Um, it's called Under the Bridge, and um, it's um, serving the homeless once a week. And so we try to um, do that a couple times a year, just go and, um, and serve food um, and sit down with and pray with um, these people who are, um, you know, in tough situations. And there's just so much mental illness um, in those situations. So many people led amazing lives, but mental illness has just knocked them out. Yeah. So, so that's kind of like um, some of the things that we love to do um, with service. Yeah, that's fantastic. And, and uh, for those of you listening, I'll get a list from Ben, and I'll uh, I'll put the links to all those charities on the website on the on the blog post once we're once we're up here. And if you guys want to check those out and support them, um, you know, I certainly invite you to do so. Um, as far as uh, you know what I always, you know, there's a whole new, totally changing the subject here. Um, the, there's a there's a whole movement happening um, as it relates to golf with with fitness and the athletes becoming, you know, more and more fit. And you know, I'm noticing that on your life plan, that's one of the, the the topics. And I, you know, I know it's a bit of a hot button for you is staying healthy and working out and eating right. Um, would love to just spend a few minutes talking about um, what workouts look like for you. One, you know, and two, I'm sure there's a difference between working out on the tour when you're on tour and when you're in your downtime. So I'd love to dive into to that a little bit. Yeah. So I, I, um, my, my mom was a nurse and so as a kid, um, she wouldn't tell me not to eat something. She would just say, Oh, if you put that in your body, so that's, you're going to get a sugar spike and then the sugar is going to turn into glucose and it's going to turn into fat or, you know, whatever she would say. I don't even know how it all works, whatever. but she would just tell me that stuff. And I'd be like, dang, I don't want to eat that. <laughs> uh, you know? Um, 
So I just, you know, have started to learn about nutrition, about what different things do to your body, and I'm fascinated by it, right? I'm, I'm fascinated that, you know, grapefruit is a blood thinner, so they tell you not to eat grapefruit because you don't want to take a blood thinner and grapefruit. You might double thin your blood, so you can either take medication or you can take grapefruit, you know? But you right. can't sell grapefruit. It's so cheap, right? Or right. celery, you know, it looks like a bone, breaks like a bone. It has the only type of salt in it that actually hydrates your bones. I mean, and like, you, like the secret, like, is in nature, right? right. I mean, right. And, and like, so I'm just like absolutely fascinated by an apple. You cut it open sideways, you know, you, and not, not uh, vertical, but you cut it open sideways and you look at it and it's a star, right? It's a five-point star, which means it's good for every part of your body. I mean, like, there's like just so many things. You know, if you have a if you have a rash on your skin and you take lemon and you and you put it on it and you go out into the sun, it's the only fruit that's anti-orbit, so it actually takes it out of your skin. Huh. I mean, like, just like little things. Like, I've learned along along the way, and I'm just like, that is like so cool. I love knowing what different foods do to your body and how important it is to eat, you know, fruits and vegetables and. Um, so where you are know, these so, resources? Where are you getting this stuff from? Is this just through osmosis and conversation? Is this through your mom that's you know, a medical professional? Or is this like, you like, diving in it's, and it's, purposely finding these? Yeah, nuggets? so I, I, I've read on this, um, this, this book called The Encyclopedia of Health, and, just like, and it just like lists out what, what things do. And so sometimes I'll, um, I'll just look at it and be like, hey, you know, if I want to, you know, if, if I have... Um, you know, this going on, you know, what do I do? And it'll say like, oh, mix, you know, if you have a sore throat, like mix um, honey, salt, and lemon and water. And, and you know, and you're, I mean, it's like, oh my gosh, that just makes so much sense. This the salt, you know, kills the bacteria. Anyway, you know, just, so anyway, so I, yeah, I just love learning about it and, um, and just looking that stuff up. And there's so much great stuff online, um, you know, healthy yeah. ways, you know, to clear your sinuses or whatever it is. Um, so anyway, sorry, I'm getting off track, but, um, so, <laughs> no, so. it all relates, man. So, I mean, so that, yeah, you're breaking it down at a granular level, but I mean, so as it relates to like your eating habits and your, you know, your, the way you choose to carry your weight, I mean, are you doing things like getting crazy, like, you know, intermittent fasting or cleanses or yeah. like, do you, yes, oh, you I do? Lo- I, I love, I mean, there's so much good behind intermittent fasting because, you know, if the gut isn't resting, it's really hard for your body to rest. And mm-hmm. so one of the things I've learned is that sleep is such a huge part of our lives, right? So, I mean, water intake, right? We should be drinking half our body weight in ounces a day is so important. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sleep is so huge that we should be getting about eight hours of sleep a night. And one of the ways I've found to sleep well is to not drink alcohol um, before, before bed if I need a good night's sleep and to... Um, for dinner, if I'm going to have anything, is to have something that's very supple and like a soup or something that's very easy to digest. Mm-hmm. If I eat, last night I was so hungry, I came home and I ate this broccoli and steak and rice that my wife made. I was so excited about it and I just crushed it. You know, but <laughs> it was like at 7.30, yeah. you know, and I go to bed like at 9.30 and I'm like, you know, so... All of a sudden, I kind of wake up in the middle of the night for about an hour, get my stomach still going and all yeah. that. And so I've just found that if you want to sleep well, um, that it's so important just not to fill the gut. Um, and intermittent fasting is so huge because you give the gut, um, and, you know, entire rest. And so I try to do, I try to fast, just like take a day. Sometimes I'll do um, a dinner-to-dinner fast. Yeah. And not, you know, when I get to that dinner, I don't try to catch up, right? Yeah. I just have something little. Yeah. I'll do juice juice fasting, but the ultimate is the water fast, um, where you just, you know, you just drink water. Dude, that's um, aggressive. Some people say that if you hold water up to the, to the light, you see a rainbow and that's all seven things you need actually. And so you, I mean, you can live for so long on just water and you give the body ultimate rest when you're, when you're just taking that in. Yeah. So, so anyway, so all I'd say is yes, I, I love, um, taking care of my body as far as workouts go. Um, I've learned that um, for I'm 41 years old, that if I want to play golf and continue to play, you know, in the 40s and 50s, 
that mobility is the number one thing mm. for men that yeah. goes. Yeah, yeah. And for women, it's stability. Like um, women lose, they have 20% less muscle mass. And so actually everyone's in the wrong place in the gym, right? The guys should go to yoga and the girls should go to the gym, <laughs> right? I mean, like we're like all trying to like bulk up and look good. And, and then we lose mobility and then we can't like be active and play golf because, you know, we, we tear something or we hurt something because of lack of mobility yeah. and women need, you know, they need muscle. And so they, they need to be lifting weights and That's all that. That's funny, so, man. You're, you're totally right. Do you, do you do yoga? Do you practice hot yoga? I, I do. I love heat. I love, um, one of the best things you can do for your body is dry sauna because, uh, it empties out, um, toxins out of your, out of your body. So like if a smoker sits on a white towel in a sauna and like dumps, like it'll actually turn like brown, like all that junk is like coming out. Uh. So dry sauna is one of the best things that you can do. And uh, like LA is some of the best, um, you know, great, um, saunas around and, Dude, and all that. Yeah. And, have you done? And, and, uh, oh, sorry, man. It's, uh, have you tried a, a Depro tank? Have you done deprivation? No, I haven't. Which which one is that? So, deprivation tank. Um, you know, you hear Joe Rogan talk a lot about it. Uh, I actually tried it for the first time about a month ago. I loved it. Um, so, if you're, it's not that it's an exercise by any means, but it, it is more of the you know the whole mind body soul thing. It's it's definitely on the. Uh, meditative state so it's it's a total um sensory deprivation right so have you heard about this oh yeah, yeah. were you were you floating yeah yes i've heard about it i know steph curry's on it and it looks incredible because it's like total rest right dude well, yeah well i think you know for a guy like you that's you know doing your thing and out there like for you to come swing it the other way and do something that's completely isolated probably be a good balancer, but yeah, I mean, uh, it, you lose all track of time in there. You sort of have no sense of whether your your eyes are open or closed because it's pitch black, and you're, you right. know, you're in this salt bath. It's you know the only thing I, that I would say. There's this little um, they, the guy tells you like, hey, you know, your neck might get sore because you're literally floated in a salt bath, and he's, your neck's not supported when you're laying in a horizontal. And they have like this little foam ring, and I once I threw the little foam ring and kind of rested my head on it. It was a game changer, and um, he's like, "Look, some guys last five minutes, and then they're done. They come out, and you know, some people make it the whole time." And I ended up going the full hour, and um, it's definitely that's a, super cool, a, a great experience. Yeah, I definitely want to do that. Yeah. So sorry. So okay. So back onto the the fitness routines. Yeah. So just for me, it's just important. I spend. Um, that what, what's amazing for me is I spend about 30 minutes warming up each day before I insult my body with one-sided rotation. Um, and I try to do a lot of balance stuff. So I try to strike left-handed with some resistance mm-hmm. because I'm striking right-handed, you know, most of the day with golf. Yep. So I, I, I spend about 30 minutes doing, um, just getting blood flow and, um, kind of activating my, my muscles, my core kind of rehearse some of the, you know, some of the stuff I'm doing in my swing to just get myself ready so my mind kind of got traction on what it is that I'm trying to accomplish that day. Um, go about my practice, really try to structure my practice. Um, today is um, um, we're doing a putting practice where we're playing. We're doing some technique stuff, and then we go into games. Uh, we score those games and make sure that over the course of time we're improving in our scores of the games. Uh-huh. And then we do a, um, a chipping, a couple of chipping games, and then we're doing some distance wedge practices. So we're basically concentrating on 20 to 120 yards. And we're trying to um, um, get every ball to land within two yards of our intended number that my caddy calls out. Um, and we, we do a test at the end of it wow. within, um, within 10 balls. So you get 10 balls, um, and you start out with 20 points. For every yard away, you lose a point when the ball lands. And so, um, so anyway, so we have very, very intentional practice. So yeah. Um, we go through that, but then at the end of my day, after I practice or after I play, is the most important part of my day physically, and it's my post-round stretch or workout. And if I'm just doing a, a post-round stretch, I do something called ELDOA, E-L-D-O-A, and it's just basically to like create space in the joint capsule. And so <clears throat> um, that's been really big for me. It's actually just changed my life because I, I was missing so many tournaments because of back pain and hip pain. Um, and then started doing this thing called Eldo, and it really looks like yoga. It's these poses to create a little space in the capsule, 
And since I've been doing that, my body has been like game changer. I've increased speed. I've increased mobility. People are like, get it. I'm getting on the like table and people are like going, wow, you're really, really flexible. I'm like, you should have seen me two years ago. I was the stiffest person in the world. But because every day after I'm done, I don't miss. I do this. I do these stretches, right? Because my body's warm, right? It's hot. And when, and when your body's warm and hot, you can stretch. You're pliable, right? And then you actually maintain. And then a lot of that soreness after, you know, golf or whatever you're playing, whatever, goes away if you're, if you're willing to do that after, after care. So I spend a little bit of time doing that every, after every day. And then I do some stuff right before bed. So I spend about two hours a day on my body, but it, yeah. it's my job, right? It, yeah. it is the, I mean, the legs feed the wolf, right? I mean, like, if I don't have my, my body in great shape, whatever, I just can't even play golf. So, so it's just important, you know, and it's the one thing that's hard, like, really hard for me. Like, it's not hard for me to, um, to do a lot of things, but, like, motivating myself each day to, to do these exercises and stuff, it's just, I don't know, it's just, it's just hard for me. It takes willpower. Yeah. Um, it's hard. I'm going to look into this Eldoa thing. I've never, I've never heard of that before. If I wanted to do that, I'd just Google it, or do you have a source that you prefer? Or there's a guy named Brett Meyer, M I E R, um, M M E I E R, Brett Meyer in L A. That um, that is um, kind of the L A. guy, huh. and um, he teaches, and then um, he also treats there. Who's just amazing, um, and then. Um, on in Texas, there's a guy um, named Scott Herrera, and then in Florida, there's a guy named Dan Hellman. Those are the guys I know of um, uh, that are actively involved in. It. There's a guy named Guy Voyer, spelled Guy G U Y, who's from France, who kind of makes his tour through the United States about two or three times a year, and he's like the master Yoda treater and stuff. And he's the most gifted um, clinical guy I've ever worked with. Um, and so I, I get treated with him a couple times a year, but if you're like interested in it, um, yeah, I, I, I would, um, you can go online and look at some of the stuff. Um, and then there's, and then the, the, the best is working with these guys and they can scan your body. They can look at, you know, where your problem areas are. And then like for me, they have, they gave me some really great low back and hip stuff to create more space in the capsule. Yeah. And all of a sudden literally like when, when my hips are moving and my low back is moving, all of a sudden the pain just literally disappeared. And so there's so many days when I wake up now and I'm kind of walking down the stairs and I'm like, I can't feel anything on my body. I'm like, man, I feel good today. <laughs> that uh, is amazing. Yeah. I mean, not that I want to, you know, <clears throat> air out to the world my issues, but I've got a pretty bad sciatic issue and I, I've done a lot uh, proactively and I'm still feeling pain every day. And so as I'm, this is a hot button for me, what you're saying, I mean, maybe this, this could be a possible solution. It, um, it is, I literally had so much back pain. I couldn't long sit or my back would like go out. Yeah. And so they gave me this thing called L5S1 and it's this stretch you do yourself up against the wall. Um, and you're able to actually create traction on your, um, on your sacrum and your L5. And like it, it literally, you can feel the traction in your back and your neck and all that stuff, but it kind of pulls and opens it up. And um, since I've been doing that, I've done it every night for two years. I've missed three days just because it's so important is I literally have just like taken myself out of like constant kind of aching pain. And like, you know, I used to have to like warm up for like 30, 40 minutes just to go. I think I can get the soreness to go away and I can actually play today. And now I'm just like, I don't feel anything because I've created just a little more space. So it's been life-changing. Dude, I love that. That's awesome stuff. And again, uh, all these things we're talking uh, about, I'll I'll circle back, uh, guys, with Ben and see if we can put some names and some links here uh, because I think this is super great information. Um, But in the – so that's – you know, so working out, so yoga and some of this stretching stuff – do you do, I mean, do you do anything with weights? Obviously, it sounds like running's probably out of the question or maybe not of interest or... Yeah, you know. no, no running. I do, I do weights. Um, yeah, and I, and I want to load, you know, my body. So I do, um, I do some squatting stuff. I'm doing, um, right now, I'm actually focusing um, on really strengthening um, the deep ab muscles. And so I've got some exercises. I'm doing that. Yeah. And then also strengthening the low back because I'm trying to increase speed. And so I really want to strengthen the low back and the abs. So I've kind of got both sides of it. So as I rotate through, 
Um, so I'm, so I'm doing some cool exercises with that. Um, but yeah, I, I, I do some weights as well. Um, and, but I spend probably 75% of my time either doing the Aldoas or doing, um, the Aldoa stretching. Um, and then I probably spend 25% of my time, um, loading and, and all that. Fantastic. I love all that. I'm totally into it. Hey, so we've, you know, we've spent almost an hour talking about this stuff, so I don't want to take up too much of your time. I have one golf question, if you don't mind entertaining it. Um, and it's something I, I feel like, you know, is it's, it's the, it's gotta be in the back of everyone's mind that's watching, you know, a guys like you do what you do. And that is when you're standing over that putt and you got to make it and there's a million dollars on the line and there's millions of people watching and there's people in the stand, like, do, do you, what do you, you know, you got a six footer, a knee knocker, slippery, you know, are, like what, what do you do mentally when you're standing over that putt? Maybe it's nothing. Maybe it's like for a guy like you, it's natural. You take it in stride and you go, I'm here. I know why I'm here. Or do you get into a meditative state or do you think about result? Like what, like I've what, is that, what does that feel like? Right, right. I've experienced, I've experienced, you know, the, the, everything from man that I, I did not execute you know, near the way I want to because I was too nervous. I've experienced the, um, the like, <clears throat> wow, I, I, I can't believe that just happened. I wasn't, almost felt like I wasn't even present. You know what I mean? Right. So I'll, I'll, I'll give you a, I'll give you a story of, of, um, of, of one of the best things, um, one of the best moments I've ever experienced in golf. And, and, um, and this is through a lot of very intentional training. Like, if I go out to putt and I just go out there and I just kind of like hit some putts, like, oh, my stroke feels good. I'm starting the ball in line. I'm reading the ball or, you know, reading the greens well. You know, that, that, that's good practice, right? You're developing, you know, skill there um, and you're affirming that what you're doing is right. But is that really training you to, to be in the moment, to be on the 72nd hole and to have a putt to win and to execute? Not really, right? And no. so... Um, and so to do that, I think it's just, I think it's pretty simple. I think you need to train yourself um, when you're practicing to spend a small um, time, small um, period of time training your mind mm-hmm. while you're putting, right? Mm-hmm. And, go, and so, you know, so it's like deep breathing, knowing you're going to be very nervous, putting yourself as much as you can in that situation, yeah. right? Feeling exactly the way you want to feel. You want to feel like you're just looking at that spot where you want to roll that ball through that line with that speed, yep. right? And then having a quiet mind and executing it. And so there's just a huge difference that seems so subtle, might look the same to someone you know, casually on the side of the green. But you know in that moment, you're training yourself for that big moment, right? I mean, like as a kid, we do it all the time, right? This putts to win the Masters. Or <laughs> right. This shot, you know, to win... Game seven of the NBA yeah. finals or whatever it is. like, But that's actually it. That's that's actually so valuable. Um, and so I'll tell you, uh, tell you a brief time when I was in Malaysia. It was the first time we had a, um, a PGA Tour event over in Malaysia. It was 2010. Um, it's a limited elite field, and um, there's probably like 40 of us over there. And we get to the, the last round. I'm leading kind of like second and third round. Um, we get to the last round, and I'm not playing great. Um, but I'm kind of hanging around the lead, and then I, all of a sudden I make a bogey, and I lose the lead, and I'm behind like one or two, and then all of a sudden I eagle the 15th hole, hit a driver on the green, and make a six-foot putt, and now I'm tied to the lead again. Missed about a six-foot putt for birdie on 17. I get to the last hole, 18. I'm tied to the lead. I never look at the scoreboard because all I want to do is just do my best. Um, I can't really control what other people are doing. Mm-hmm. I get to the last hole, and I kind of hear the people yelling, playoff, playoff, like, let's oh, get to this no. playoff. <laughs> and so, and so, and, and this is kind of cool. In Malaysia, like, at, at this time, people were, after we tee off, they're, like, they're, like, behind us, like, like a mob, like, kind of around us right. as we're playing the last hole. So they're just walking down the fairway with us. And um, I hit my second shot on the green. I've got about 12 feet. And, um, and then as we're, Stepping across the fringe, you know, my caddy, Joel, and I, who's my close friend, roommate in college, whatever, we just say a little prayer, and we're just asking for peace. Yeah. And because um, I've got this 12-footer to win the tournament. 
And I got, I get up over the pot and I've been practicing, you know, intentionally, you know, mentally the right way. And I get up over the pot and I get the read and I'm making my practice strokes. And then I, and I step in over the ball and I look down the line and I just see, you know, the exact speed I'm supposed to hit it. And I come back and I kind of, and I hit the pot and I look up and you know what, you know what I, I realized I was thinking about in the moment was nothing. Hmm. It was so quiet. And I look up and I get to watch the ball, you know, break two cups right to left, right into the middle of the hole at the perfect speed, you know, and I've just won a million dollars. I've just won the tournament. Tournament's (coughs) over, right? And everybody's cheering. And I'm just, I've just come off my my team meeting where um, my manager, my coaches, my caddy and I, we come together in a room for a couple days and we like, like have just organized our plan of like how we're going to practice, what we're going to do, what we're going to think about, like everything, whatever. And then we go into that tournament and we execute and it works and we win. And the hug that my caddy and I and my manager shared in that moment was one of the greatest moments of my life because we just worked so hard, but not only worked hard, we, we worked the right way and the plan worked. And we, and I was able to achieve that, that quiet mind um, in that, you know, most difficult moment. So Dude. anyway, that's, 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 it's very, very fun. And well, thank um, you for sharing that. Have those moments. Yeah, that was, that was super cool. And I, I can't imagine those feelings and those emotions, man. That's, it's insane. Um, well, listen, I, uh, I want to, uh, we could, we could talk about all this stuff for, a long bit more, but let's uh, let's end on on you sinking that putt and winning the tournament. Um, thank you for joining me today. This was a total pleasure. Um, you're a super rad guy. You uh, just you know positively had an effect on me after we met. I, I just walked away from you and I was like, God, I need more of what that guy's selling, man. So I <laughs> I want to uh, tell you it was a pleasure to meet you, and I look forward to future conversations and. Uh, you know, maybe tips on the range. Although if that's that's going to be a lot of work we'll, for you. Uh, when we connect, we'll we'll keep doing a little life together, and uh, <laughs> it'll be uh, it'll be fun. So awesome, man! Appreciate you. Appreciate your family, and um, we'll uh, we'll catch up soon. Thank you, Ben. Talk soon. Cheers. Okay, brother. See you. Bye.